Please do not distribute this recording to anyone outside the optical foundry. The information covered during this podcast is for educational purposes and is intended to be played while on the road. Thank you for listening. This is the Optical Foundry Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're back for season two of the Optical Foundry podcast. I'm welcoming here Sally Anton, our customer relations manager. How are you doing today, Sally? I'm good. How are you? Doing fantastic. Awesome. It's a great Friday uh, morning. We're going to be talking a lot about well, a lot of different things. Um, Sally offers a lot of different and interesting insight, I think, to the company, um, given that she's a certified optician as well as you know our customer relations manager. Um, so I'm just going to kind of jump into the questions. We're going to start with some few, a few you know, optician-based questions, and then from there we'll talk a little bit more about the customer relations team and their processes there. Um, so my first question is, how long have you been in the optical field? Um, so I have been an optician for, if I do the math in my head, I think it's going to be 25 years this year. Um, I started because I thought the optician selling me glasses was really cute and I needed a second job. (laughs) So, um, and I was only in it for about nine months and thought I would never go back to it. Um, then I moved to Minnesota and I started working for uh, a corporate optical and found out that I'm a giant optical nerd. And also, um, the manager there really helped me develop my leadership skills. So I was able to kind of let those things go hand in hand. I was there for 15 years and then I went to private practice and it was a specialty practice. So it was two locations. We saw pediatrics and we did vision therapy and we did concussion follow-up. Um, and then from there, I ended up going back to um, back into manufacturing which the, the corporate place that I had worked at had a manufacturing facility, but I was doing a wholesale lab work. So I had done that as well. And then I ended up at OG, which was very fortunate because it kind of intersects everything that I've learned to love in this field over the years. Yes, clearly you have a wide range of uh, optical skills. And it's especially great when, uh, when any of us gets a new frame, we know we can count on you to help us. Fit it correctly and all that great stuff too. So it's <laughs> yeah. a little added, extra added bonus. Yeah. So my next question is: as a certified optician, um, what aspects of our products stand out to you the most as like unique selling points? So I mean, for Dean's designs, I think he really understands how the finished product is going to look. You know, a common concern for a lot of opticians, um, and you can see this if you guys you know work for opticians on Facebook that. When people design frames, they're not good at thinking, like, how will the lenses look in this? Are they going to be easy to manufacture lenses for? Are they going to hold their adjustment and their shape? Um, and David really gets that. Um, and that, I think, is a big difference from OG 1.0 and OG 2.0, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even small things like the screws that he uses, you know, a common thing for frames in our price point is that the screw heads are really soft and have a tendency to strip out really easily. 
Um, and the other thing that I think is really cool about the way that David designs is he really gets how to flatter the face, no matter what your face shape is. He has something out there for everybody. Um, for Wes, I think he has a really unique perspective as far as how he draws information or, you know, inspiration from older styles. And I think the thing that's really cool is that he makes styles that look good on all genders. So, you know, if you're more feminine, a style can play is more feminine. If you're more masculine or if you're in between, it's going to look good on you no matter what. And I think that's very unique in the market right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what you mentioned about um, the details. I feel like that's something I've noticed myself from Wes and David is I think, um, you know, the product itself is, is very reliable. Um, mm-hmm. And it really it feels like it was really like, you know, put through each step. Um, and really just tested. Yeah, for sure. They have very high quality standards. And I think that the cool thing, you know, particularly for Article One is Wes is working with newer factories and refining mm-hmm. the processes with them is that he's really passionate about making sure that that finished product is what it needs to be and what he envisioned and that it's going to work well and perform well on the patient's face. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I got a slightly tougher question here for you. From the optician's perspective, what is your favorite brand and why? Um, specifically, like talking about styles, price point, you know, branding, whatever. Yeah. So when you're thinking about having a robust um, offering for your patients as an optician, and especially as a buyer specifically, um, it's really important that you buy deep into one company um, and limit the number of reps that you work with. Uh, that's a really hard lesson for buyers and especially doctors to learn because they want like a lot of everything. You know, when I first got to the private practice that I worked at, we had 30 different companies that we worked with. Um, I was there for four years and I got the doctor down to 20, which was was a big step in the right direction for her. Um, but the thing that I really like, and I, it's like picking a favorite child, right? So, and I only have one kid, so I do have a favorite kid. <laughs> but from from our brand offerings that we have, I think we have a little bit of something for everybody, from price point to style, um, and, and even for you know the futuristic stuff. You know, Red Rose, I think is really neat. Um, for example, because that's like what my Kid and all of their friends want to wear right now. You know, everything that they're drawn towards is that. And, and that's going to continue. I mean, I've been wearing an cat eye with a plastic ring since I was in my early 20s and got to start picking my own glasses because that's my personal style. And I think that, you know, iterations of that can change throughout your life. Um, you know, I have a lot of other styles that fill in, but I have a tendency to go back to that one because I know it works well on my face. And I think the same thing is going to happen for the younger crowd here, too. That's interesting you bring that up. Like, trends kind of, like, they kind of stick and they follow with people as they grow up. Um, Yeah. Well, that about covers the optical questions. I I do kind of want to branch out into, you know, customer relations-based questions. You know, given that you're the customer relations manager and all, and you're an expert in both fields. Um, So my first question regarding customer relations team. how does the customer relations team drive business to the reps via phone calls and orders? Yeah, so we do a lot of things. Um, we talk about the deal partner program pretty regularly. You know, if we're just placing an order for someone that's a regular 
person that calls in, you know, we ask a lot about um, if they want to add a couple more frames to be able to get free shipping or thank them for being an icon level dealer. Um, we talk to them about utilizing the B2B and making sure that they have a password for that. Um, we really believe that this helps kind of double up that message that the reps are talking about in the field because there are so many different programs similar to this from so many different manufacturers. It's really hard to remember who offers what. And I've even had a lady that used to work for me actually call in and order some glasses. And I said, Hey, you know what? You guys get free shipping on two or more frames. And she goes, Oh, I totally forgot about that. Hold on. I'm going to go check my board and see what I want to do. Um, so, so that really just helps to, you know, reiterate what Trevor had been talking to that clinic about. And it was very obvious that those types of things were important to that clinic. That's not always the case at all clinics, but it is for some. Um, the other things that we do is if it's been a long time since a rep visit, you know, we'll glance through sometimes their invoices and see that they've just been buying one or two frames here. Um, and especially if we know that there's a newer rep in the area, we'll we'll remind them that there's a newer rep. We'll give them that information. Um, sometimes what we'll do is just email the rep afterwards. You know, let's say that they are calling and they only order Scojo, but it looks like it's been a long time since they've ordered Scojo. Mm-hmm. We've actually gone that next step to reach out to the rep and say, hey, these guys are trying to order really old Scojos that we don't have very much of anymore. You know, this seems like it would be an easy in for you with them. Um, we do the same thing when they try to order any older styles, especially with kind of the mass um, exodus of a lot of our older frames that happened at the end of last year, which is a hot button for everybody, really. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about, hey, we've come out with new styles. It's time for you to see rap. Let me give you their information. Same if they've been inactive because they have low sales. You know, I'm not sure if everybody realizes, but for the past two years, we've taken a look at accounts that have $100 or less in sales between the two years prior and gone ahead and inactivated them due to lack of sales. And the reason we do that is not to make it a pain for the account or a pain for the rep. It's to allow that account to open up that conversation with the rep give the rep like in the end. Um, Some other things we do is if we get buying group leads. So for example, we get regular updates when offices join vision source and we'll ask the rep to follow up with them. We'll send them that lead. Um, And that's kind of got, you know, mixed results. A lot of the reps in the rep survey, which I know we'll talk about later, said that they appreciated that we passed them on to us. But about a third of them said they didn't always follow up with them. Mm-hmm. So it's just another place. Um, also, if we get an email or a call about someone that's interested in a new account, we send a warm welcome email to them, kind of introducing them to their brands. They've got clickable links in there. We CC their rep. We give them all the information. And then we'll also send that original email on to the rep. So our goal is to drive as much business to the reps as we can, um, because without their success, we don't have success. Couldn't agree more. I think the the big statement I got from everything you just said was like, it is a you know two way two way street, and it's important that like whatever you know if you're pushing the message of the dealer level program, it's important that when the rep you know comes and visits that account, they have the same message. You know, 
do you know about our different deals that we offer? Do you know about the free shipping? All that kind of different stuff. Um, so, you know, it's really a partnership that, that is created. For sure. Um, moving on to my next question. Uh, what tools have we improved over the last year to back up our OG 2.0 message? So, I mean, the whole home office has been working really hard on this. You know, you guys have seen a lot of information and a lot of things come through from marketing on a weekly basis. Um, I think the biggest thing, the biggest push over the last year that's really impressed me um, has been all the work that we've done on the D2P. You know, it's really important that accounts understand that they can order in between rep visits. Um, and so this is a tool that we've made a lot more accessible. I think, you know, and we'll talk more about the B2B in a minute, but I think the fact that we asked for feedback from the customer relations team when we were reviewing it, because we get all the complaints about it, of course. Um, was really important. Um, I think the other thing that we did as a customer relations team specifically is that we actually sat down as a team and came up with like a customer journey roadmap. So depending upon what type of account calls in and what their needs are, we have kind of like some talking points. Um, it's not scripted, but it does allow us to make sure we're giving the same messaging to accounts and to reps. I mean, you guys are our customers as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that we're giving you consistent messaging. Um, and, and there are words we avoid, of course, you know, um, like we don't use the discontinued word. Yeah. Um, that's one that we don't like um, just because we feel like it's a bad taste in people's mouths. So as we grow even more as a team, that roadmap is getting more and more robust. Yeah, like what you said, specifically about growing as a team. Um, I think when it comes to B2B or the roadmap or whatever, it's that constant improvement. I feel like um, you know, every month if we reevaluate where it's at, like it's always, you know, slowly but surely it's moving on forward. Uh, and getting even better. So I think that's really where the OG 2.0 message comes in. It's like just that constant improvement. I agree. It's so important. Um, speaking of B2B users, how do we handle a new B2B user on the portal? Yeah, so every user is offered to be walked through the B2B. So if they have the time right then on the phone, we do it on the phone with them. Um, if they don't, how, what we usually do is kind of hit some high points with them to look for when they log in for the first time. Um, so the big things we talk about are the catalog view, because that is the ability for the optician to show the patient all of the available frames without prices on it. Mm-hmm. And opticians love that once they hear us say that, um, because every optician has been burned by accidentally showing <laughs> their offices cost to a patient on the B2B portal or other places. Um, and the other thing we get on our invoices, you know, um, everybody's email has different filters on it. And so the fact that people can access invoices on there now has been like a huge improvement. Um, and we get a lot of our end users and our customers rather really happy. Um, so if they didn't have time, we do follow up with all the make sure that they have the email and then tell them that they can reach out to us with any questions. So we do some kind of minor troubleshooting sometimes to let them be. So it's some minor troubleshooting here and there. Um, moving on, uh, why is it important to hold the line on policies and procedures? And what do we extend for exchanges 
within certain time periods? Sure. So I'm not like a huge black and white person. I think there's a lot of shades of gray and policies and procedures are really there for us to have a guideline um, to make sure that the kids are running the candy store. And then also, you know, the big thing for me, I think consistency and parity are two things as a leader that I have really developed as part of my leadership philosophy over the years. And that's as important to the people on my team as it is to the people that we service. So, um, you know, we don't want to treat one person one way because they were really mean and another person another way because they were really nice. You know, we want everybody to get the same fair and consistent treatment. So, you know, um, when we're asking questions about policies and procedures, you know, if we're breaking rules on them, I think it's just important that we thought critically through them. Um, because there are cases where it's appropriate to do it. You know, we actually did, you know, when you were saying what we're extending for exchanges, we did think through the fact that, you know, icon level dealers do a lot of business with us. They have to buy 151 frames from us a year in order to be an icon level dealer. Mm-hmm. And so they should probably get some special privileges that somebody that buys three frames from us a year doesn't. So um, we do three month extension for for icon master and after level dealers. It is based upon what their exchange rate is currently or was last year, depending on what type, time of year it was. You know, obviously, in January if they have a high exchange rate, um, that may be some holdover stuff from mm-hmm. December. But if they have a low exchange rate the year before, then we're going to bring like that twenty four months to a twenty seven month time period. We're going to perhaps accept things that we normally wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, the returns team, um, I cannot stress enough that they really do their best to make the decision in the best interest of the customer. Mm-hmm. And so they, if they're on the fence about something, they'll usually err in favor of the customer. But if something's really bad and an icon account has like a 5% exchange rate, we're just going to go ahead and take care of them. They'll probably get a credit memo that says, hey, here's your credit memo, but uh, this didn't really qualify. But because you're such an awesome customer, mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and take care of it for you this time. So that messaging is being brought you know, to those credit memos as well. Mm-hmm. Back to what you said about um, you know fairness over the phone. One thing that is always just like um, really impressed me is like, you know, I can hear, I'm over in marketing section, I can hear when you all have, like, your calls and everything. And, like, you can never tell if it's a bad or a good call based on, like, the tone or how you're treating the customer. It's always just about what you're like, talking about. So that's always kind of impressive how you, everybody, everybody, your entire team always, like, is really, like, disciplined with, like, oh, thank helping you. them out. Yeah, it sometimes looks different after we get off the call on our gift keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Because we all really um, don't like it when our of other course. teammates are not treated well. Um, but, you know, I, I agree. I think it's really important that we, we treat people fairly. Um, and if we do have the occasion where we get a little hot under the collar, the rest of the team is usually really good about, you know, coaching uh, what we could have done better or too. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of peer-to-peer feedback. So is that improvement? Is that, mm-hmm. Back to what did you point out? Everything yeah. we do. Yeah. So the other thing that I didn't talk about with the extension of the exchanges is that um, 
there's an exchange processes flowchart in the account executive workspace, which you guys all just spent time with me over the last two weeks learning about. So if you have questions about how the exchange process works, um, how we handle, you know, defect exchanges, people calling for those, how we handle when they try to call for stock exchanges, all that information is in there as well as what the levels that we extend for are. And there will probably be some minor changes in the percentages um, just based on the fact that we, you know, lowered the rebate percent a little bit. You know, the account executive workspace is full of just fantastic uh, documents. Stuff, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Who is the accounts management team and what do they do? Yeah. So right now, accounts management consists of Lacey and I. Uh, we do a little bit of everything. So we handle buying group updates. We assist with account escalations. We do new account setup. We do reactivation of accounts. Kind of anything in that space. Um, that you're asking about, if you send that to your CRA, it's actually going to end up with Lacey and I. So usually it's better just to email us directly because you'll get a response. Um, and that's just accounts management at OGIIware.com. Um, you know, really we're kind of managing um, the active and inactive accounts. We also assist accounting with it. Um, some basic accounting questions when customers call. The whole team can, um, but we're able to kind of dig in a little bit more and have a little more information. And we'll listen to accounting when it's time to um, do collections calls too, if you have an account that's running behind. Got it. Well, uh, moving on to our last question. Uh, you had a rep survey conducted recently. What were some of your main takeaways? Yeah, so I think overall, you know, I was really happy to see that we were meeting or exceeding all of the reps' expectations. Um, there were some common themes in there about communication concerns, you know, about how sometimes it feels like uh, policies change without being told. Um or even things like there was one where somebody said, I wish the whole CRA team didn't go to lunch at the same time. <laughs> and we don't, yeah. unless there's like a special occasion, you know, if it's somebody's birthday or work anniversary, sometimes we'll do something special over someone's first day mm-hmm. um, and eat lunch at the same time. Um, but the communication stuff it was really interesting to me um, because I think a lot of it would be established if we ensured that everybody was reading the Monday updates, um, which I'm sometimes super bad about. And I feel really bad when I catch up. Oh, it was in the Monday updates. Oh, man, I should have done that. Mm-hmm. So we're willing to tell that to each other on the CRA team. We're like, okay, oh, yeah, I don't remember this. And, oh, it was in the Monday updates. Okay. So then we go to the workspace and look to see uh, the Monday update because it's in there. We don't always have to go back to our um, our email, uh, which is kind of point to the workspace. You know, a lot of questions about policies and procedures too. Like we have a rep FAQ, which is about getting updated a little bit, but it's pretty solid. Um, and that was one that only about half of the reps had read. Um, and I know that part of it is probably because we have some good experience for our summer team, but there will be some policy updates in there as well. For example, Zach will be emailing soon about uh, special discount rates and how we want to handle that. You know, the fact that those can't go through the CRAs anymore, they need to go through the account executives. Um, 
And so that's all in there right now. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, the, the biggest key takeaways. Um, I got some good feedback about individual team members. We really proud and I shared with them. Um, got some interesting feedback around whether people want to call or email or do both. Um, so that was really pretty too. Um, you know, it would be nice to know specifically which reps prefer calls over emails. Um, so that our team can communicate with them in that way. You know, anything like that about communication and being able to improve communication, give that feedback to your CRA or if you're not familiar with that, call and get that back to me. Because that's something that we want to work on, um, making sure that you feel well communicated to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's just a common theme throughout OG. Mm-hmm. It's just we want feedback and yes. we want to improve. Yeah. And, um, you, it's hard to improve without feedback sometimes. For sure, yeah. I mean, and that's really the biggest thing. Like, I've worked for a lot of companies that say that they value feedback, but OG really does. Mm-hmm. Um, and every person in OG that I've dealt with does. So from a brand new person on the returns team to someone in shipping to marketing to accounting to IT, like the, that feedback is precious to us. And everybody really, really appreciates it and acts on it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key, you know, the key to valuing feedback is to follow up on the feedback. If you do nothing about the feedback, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, I think that about rounds it up. Uh, thank you again, Sally, for meeting, meeting with me on this uh, Friday, cold Friday morning in Minnesota. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we, I think we talked about some, a lot of very valuable topics, and I hope that uh, everybody listens to this and gets something. Me too.